You're listening to the Hardcore Honeys Podcast, starring your hosts, the snarky, the sassy, and the pretty Jade Auxiliary Things Johnson, the all-knowing, the all-wise Shay Vassar, and the man in the middle, Mr. TJ. And here's the show. The end of the finals has come and gone. Lakers are champions. Jade, how do you feel about it? Most anticlimactic final ever. I think that covers it. I watched the game. Of course I watched it. But Miami got down so big so early that it was hard. It was hard to watch. It wasn't a fun game to watch. I don't have a ton to say because there just isn't a ton to say. Are you on the same page with that, Shay, or do you have a little bit more, little bit more excitement about it? No, I'm pretty much on the same page. I mean, I was really excited to watch the game, and I was like, yeah, first quarter. Okay, now you're down like 30. Okay, like, I'm going to watch this because it's the end of the season, but I'm also going to, like, online shop on my phone because, sorry, y'all, this is, this is sad, so... Was it they gassed out, Jade? Were they gassed out? I don't know. I don't know if maybe adding Dragic back to the lineup was maybe not the best idea. Uh, like, I, I, not to say that he's not important to the team, but they had gotten rolling without him. And I can't help but wonder if maybe that messed a bit in, in, in a very high-stakes basketball game. Um, I understand why you would put him back in, but I wonder if it might have made a difference. Thinking of the relative ages of the teams, if somebody was going to get gassed, it should have been the Lakers. So I don't know if that explains. I will say I never expected Miami to win. I had the Lakers winning it all from the beginning of the bracket, even though my path there was an absolute disaster. In the end, I thought the Lakers, oh, there's that. They weren't ignited anymore. Were they gassed out? Yeah, I mean, and I get it because, you know, they were coming off of those injuries to two major players. Bam never looked like himself after his injury. There was, in last night's game and the game before, there was two different, like, lobs or dunks that he was trying to go for. I'm like, how do you miss? I I will never understand how you miss a dunk because you're, like, there. You know what I mean? Like, you're, like, so close, and you're up, and he's tall, and he has the ball, and the rim is there, but then he, like, didn't make it. So that was really confusing to me. And the first time it happened, I was like, okay, you know, like, he's off his game. He's been hurt. Get it. But then I saw it again, and I was like, okay, this is bad. This week's episode is going to be about what the Lakers got to do to repeat what surprised us with the Lakers, and then some Jimmy talk with the Heat just because he laid his heart and body on the court, and then some things that the Heat should do or could do to help them bump up. Got a little bit of current NBA events going on in the league. Start this off with you, Shay. Who's doing the real coaching there, LeBron or Vogel? Okay, it is Vogel. And now that the season is officially over, the longest season of the NBA ever, I am literally going to start finding more evidence because for a while it was just a theory, but now I did see evidence in game five. So I think it was the third quarter. LeBron charges poor little, I think it was Tyler Hero. 
It was one of the really skinny guys. That's why I want to say it was Tyler Hero. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is definitely a charge. Like, LeBron almost killed him. And they foul him, obviously, because it was obviously a charge. And LeBron is so mad. Like, he is, anytime he gets a call, whether it's legitimate or not. Yeah, every single time. I'm like, dude, no, that was, like, obviously a charge. And they replayed it, and I was like, no, no, no. Like, this is not even... And for me, I'm really bad at seeing, like, a charge versus, um, what's the other one? Locking. Yeah. Like, sometimes I'm really bad because, like, you know, sometimes they do look very similar, especially because it's all about if the feet are steady or if they're, you know, it's very complicated. But that one, I was like, no, no, no. He was, like, in position. Like, he was rammed over. Immediately, LeBron starts calling for a challenge. And Vogel's like, okay, let's do it. I'm like, you guys do not have... You have two more timeouts. You're obviously not going to win it. You're only doing it because LeBron has, like, a pride issue here. And they lost it. So they only had one more timeout for a super close game. And that was one of the reasons they ended up losing that game. And it was all because of LeBron's pride. It was a bad coaching move. And it was all because LeBron called for that challenge. That's my first official evidence of this because before I wasn't really looking and then that one just like came to me I'm gonna start going back and finding it because it's there it's there I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate a little bit here because you know I have no love for LeBron but I do know that a lot of coaches kind of do go on the say so of their players in choosing whether or not to challenge because one the player was on the floor they were in the play And a lot of times they are right. But two, it's another way that the coaches can show that they have their players back without getting a technical. Ooh, that's true. Sometimes it's it's strategic in terms of letting me but let me back up my guy more than do I really think I'm gonna win this challenge? I don't think all the times that they challenge they really think it's because they're gonna win the challenge. I think sometimes It's just kind of another way that the coaches can show solidarity to the players and, you know, not get fined $1,000 for doing it. It's not a bad, like, point at all. But I'm going to find more to counteract this. So it's not just a one-time deal. Because, I mean, it's just, again, Vogel always looks very uncomfortable. Um, I just, I don't think he's the coach. I think that's just face, though. Like, Vogel has, like, resting constipated face or something. He never looks comfortable, ever. Ever! (laughs) I feel so mean, but yeah, he always looks like he just got, like, given really bad news or something. Shay, so what do the Lakers have to do to repeat? The thing is that... The Lakers are a decent team. We obviously have seen that. They pull the numbers, you know, whatever. They have a good bench. Um, But I think in order to repeat, they cannot stay the same because I'm thinking of the teams that were eliminated that are now, even the Heat, the Heat are missing one vital piece. And I, you saw that when you saw the two players out, you know, they needed just one more score and they would have been perfect for the team, and they probably would have won this series. You saw that with Denver. Denver is going to get stronger, and they might acquire another piece. You saw that with Dallas. Dallas is going to be incredible this next season. I am so excited to watch. 
And we still have, like, there's not a lot of free agency stuff going on, but we also have all the trade rumors that are, you know, in in the world of NBA that now that the finals are over, we're going to start seeing those happen. So I think the thing is they have to really humble themselves and look to where there are some cracks because the rest of the NBA is, is they're going to, oh my gosh, it's going to be a crazy good next season. Jade, do you agree with what Shay has to say or do you got another route that the Lakers got to do? No, I totally agree. She basically was taking the words right out of my head because Lakers, first of all, they're old. Um, second of all, yeah, they won. Yeah, they did have a great regular season. But I don't think they were as dominant as the media would have us believe in spite of the numbers. And those teams that are up and coming are going to be a huge handful for that team. And I don't think they're, I don't know, I don't know that they are going to get the same type of team chemistry that you have in Dallas, that you have in Miami. Um, And yeah. The teams that were eliminated along the way, both East and West Coast, just getting to the finals is going to be an even bigger challenge next season than it was this season because of Denver, because of Dallas, because of because of even, even the Pelicans could take a huge step forward when they have Zion, yeah. hopefully for this. And then in, in the East Coast too, I mean, like Shay said, Miami's one piece away from wiping the floor with everybody. They they played so well. I do have a little bit of a question of whether or not this season was kind of like one of those instant chemistry things that after an offseason is not always easy to replicate because you didn't have to work for it. It just kind of worked by itself. So I'll look forward to seeing how Miami starts next season and if they're able to add a piece. But again, all those teams that do are like a piece of way. That is also a tightrope to walk as management because you have to add the right piece or you could screw everything up that made up the momentum for this season for teams like Denver and Dallas and Miami. I think the Lakers, more than people are going to think, I don't know who's who's free agents from the Lakers coming up, but, but chances are the roster is not going to stay the same. But I don't think for another year with all those guys another year older, the roster as it is is going to be enough. I don't think Kuzma's going to be good enough to fill in some holes. I don't think Caruso's going to be good enough to fill in the big holes and the you know like the important minutes. I just don't trust those guys. I don't I don't trust them. So. Definitely some moves will have to be made. If they were to repeat, I'll, I'll say it now, I would be absolutely shocked. They would have to make monumental moves in the offseason, and even then, I don't see it. At the end of it all, what were you surprised most of the Lakers in this series? Good or bad? I don't think the Lakers actually surprised me. Uh, I think they pretty much did as, as I expected. I didn't expect them to drop two games in a row. I will say that. I wasn't expecting them to, to go up 2-0 and then the drop the next two. But I would say that was, yeah, that was kind of the only surprise. I mean, maybe I, I'm surprised that there wasn't another letter sent to the league about LeBron James not getting free throws. <laughs> and then, Shay, do you agree with Jade, or did you actually see something that surprised you, good or bad? So I'm just going to throw it out there that I was surprised with how well – and. 
for the most part, consistent Rondo was. I felt like he was kind of, when LeBron or AD were even having good nights, they still weren't necessarily winning those games. But when Rondo was also having a good night, having that third score really helped them close it out. And I'm not saying I like love Rondo as a player, like, but when he's on fire, I I thought he did pretty good. And, you know, just wasn't really expecting that. Um, so yeah, I mean, anytime Kuzma steps on, on the court, he kind of does something wrong. So you need someone to like step in and do something right. Uh, I like couldn't believe how much wrong stuff Kuzma was doing, but you know, it happens. It all happens. I got one question that's going to mix up the Lakers and the Heat. Who played better, Jimmy or LeBron? LeBron won finals MVP, but Jimmy did something special. Jade? This is a hard question for me because I have a lot of bias going into it um, because I'm not a LeBron James fan, but I'm going to try and be objective. I think Jimmy did more because Jimmy had a team of young guys and rookies that had to be steady to get as far as they did. And I think those guys kind of have a bit of that on their own, like just kind of who they are as players. But I also think that without Jimmy's influence, they're they're a much earlier out. I think LeBron had less responsibility to lead a team like he had a team full of veterans. How many championships rings are already on that Lakers team? There's yeah. so many people that have been there that have been there more than once that are, are veterans in the league. So I guess for me, it's not so much the 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 box score between LeBron and Jimmy as much as it's, yes, LeBron's a leader, but Jimmy's leadership was needed a lot more on Miami than LeBron's was needed in L.A. Jay, who do you think performed better, Jimmy or LeBron? Again, don't necessarily want to be biased. I'm not sure. LeBron had numbers. That is great. Wonderful. Proud of him. But Uh (laughs) even from the LA side, I was kind of hoping AD would get that just because when there were certain aspects that just in the entire finals, like he he made again made or break it for me I think LeBron cannot carry a team just by himself and we've seen that with his last season at the Cavs you know he didn't have the support that was necessary this team won because of his supporting people and I mentioned Rondo but that is also AD because Again, with the Heat being injured, they didn't have a bunch of tall people, and Anthony Davis is, like, huge. So, you know, he was like, how do you defend that guy when you have a whole bunch of shorties? So that's my biggest complaint about the whole LeBron winning MVP. I almost said VIP. That is not what I was going to say, but... He is a very important person, though. I mean, he is. No, no, no. He really is, but... I think what Jimmy did dropping that 42 points in what was that game four? That is where Jimmy got the numbers, but then he also did beyond what the numbers can show, which is, you know, I know that's like literally what the announcers always say is like, oh, this team does like what the what 
the numbers don't show or, you know, and coaches say that about players and it could be a cop out, but I'm not, I'm really not trying to cop out here because it's like for Jimmy Butler, it's not about the numbers. It's not about the stats. Like he wasn't going out there to score 42 points, get a triple double, like to fill in some blanks the way that I feel like LeBron is. You know what I mean? He, he like wasn't keeping tabs on where his, his rebounds were that night. He was just out there playing. And I know that he was trying to do something similar in all the other games. The Heat were definitely playing with a, what's it called in golf? Handicap. Yeah, they were a handicap. They were basically playing with a certain handicap. And, and you know, I I still am happy that they were able to pull out a, a win. So that's something. Two wins. Two wins? Yeah, two. Oh, my gosh. I can't do numbers anymore. Speaking of Jimmy, he was really killing it through the mid-range game, Jade. Is Jimmy bringing back the mid-range game again? The mid-range game has never left. DeMar DeRozan's game has always been mid-range. Booker's game is mid-range. People forget about that. And then because, you know, somebody does it lots in the playoffs, it's like, oh, the mid-range game is coming back. No, the mid-range game has never truly left. There's always been a handful of players that that has been their game. I I can't say that he's bringing it back. I think he uh, showcased it really well. And I think there's a good chance that maybe you see more players try to develop that a bit in the near future. I don't think with the age of analytics, it's ever going to become like the way you play for a large number of players. But I think there's always going to be a handful of players that their bread and butter is the mid-range game. Do you agree with that, Shay? Yes, because, I mean, I remember one of the first episodes that I got to record as a honey. We talked about even the three-pointer versus the slam dunk. And I know that this is different than the mid-range shot, but it's kind of the same concept for me. Because, like, the three-pointer is impressive, but when you do it all the time, like, there is nothing quite like being able to get past a certain line of defense and just, like, pop in the ball. And then to do it again and again. And... And I think what has happened with the league is there are teams that continue to shoot the three-pointer when they are not hot on it. And that is so frustrating because I'm like, you guys know that you're not hot or you know that is not your specialty. You're a big enough team or you have strong enough players where you could break through that defense or be tricky enough to get past that screen and just like put the ball in. And honestly, certain number of twos is more than missed threes. Like, I I feel like I should be teaching like kindergarten math to some of these coaches and players sometimes because I'm like, if you keep missing three pointers, you're, it doesn't do anything unless you're, you're purposely drawing the foul. That's the only time that you can make up for those points. So I wish it was utilized more. And I think we're starting to see players that are like, yeah, you know what? I missed three threes in a game. I probably shouldn't try another three when I'm good at a mid-range shot. Someone that I think does this pretty well is Chris Paul. And I know he was on OKC, but like he's not my favorite player. But he is someone who would shoot a three, would miss it, and then would only shoot mid-range. Or he would, you know, pass it out to someone who could make the three or who was having a hotter game. And then when opportunity arose, shoot the mid-range. And that's how Oklahoma City won a good amount of their games this season because they are not a three-point scoring team. So yeah, that's my whole complaint with the three-pointer. I'm like, honestly, it's more, if your offense is stronger than their defense, 
that's impressive because you can just break through these big guys and these they think they're being so cool setting a screen on you and you're like oh yeah you think I'm gonna go right there and then you pass it off and then you score like that to me is ugh that's basketball yeah there's a couple really good points there I can totally relate to you saying like keeping shooting the three when not falling because I specifically remember watching a Pelicans game early in the season and I remember looking at the box score after and and, and looking at the field goal percentages and the three-point misses and makes. And if they had hit half of their misses from three, half of them from two, that was way more than the difference they lost the game by. So so that's one part of it. It doesn't always make sense, even if you love the analytics that three points is more than two points. There's another side to that analytics coin that you're missing three-pointers you're losing three points every time you miss a three-pointer as opposed to losing one point every time you hit a two-pointer. Right. Like that math has to be considered as well. But also, if you are a three-point shooting team and nobody's hot, take a couple steps in and until you hit and then start pushing yourself back out to range. Once you start to get some shots falling, like don't just keep shooting. And a lot of times when people are shooting threes and they're missing, they're missing the same way every single time. Every time. It's long, they miss left, they miss right, whatever it is. But it seems like each player has, when they're not hot, they miss the same way. So, like, change something until you're making shots again instead of just living and dying by the three-pointer. It just doesn't make sense. Speaking of three-point shooters... How about we talk about the new Splash Bros in Miami with Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Both were having great series, Shay. Who out of those two would you take? Okay, Duncan Robinson. Because, one, he's a little bit older, and he, he was more consistent. I mean, he did have, I think the first two games in the finals were a little off. But Hero never came back on for this series. You know, he was impressive in the last series against the Celtics. He had some really key scoring. But the mistakes that he made both offensively and defensively in this series against the Lakers, it just showed that he still has a lot to learn. And I I mean, that's fine. You have to learn. And who better than the fact that you're now playing with Jimmy Butler, who has taken you under his wing? Like, that's so cool. I think they're good good for each other because where hero is lacking is where jimmy's really good robinson is a little bit older he was a little less hyped up being undrafted and he has proved himself and even when he's having off nights he still adds to the team so i think overall just robinson is is more of a rounded player not saying that hero won't get there though do you agree with that jade I will go with Robinson, too. I would also like to take this moment to point out that when we were asked the week, last week or the week before, is Hero or Robinson the real deal, certain <laughs> members of us were not sold on Duncan Robinson. I know, okay? <laughs> I'm not denying this. Legit. And... It, it was it was exactly kind of what I said. He's not as flashy as Tyler Hero. They're different, fundamentally different personalities. Uh, Duncan Robinson is a little more solid and steady, and you're not always going to notice when he scores 20 points, right. but he's going to score. And, and he's also, I think he's a little bit more 
tuned into the defensive coverages than Tyler Hero is at this point in, in his career. He just seems to have a better understanding of where to be, when to help, when not to. And and Hero just seems to be a step behind a little bit more often. I'm sure that's something that's going to come yeah. over time. But I mean, for once in a basketball conversation, we're comparing two first-year guys that did amazing things in the season, which we don't get to do often, right? Even on the live stream this week when we talked about Rudy Gobert and Bam, we had to account for the fact that Rudy's seven years in and Bam is three. Right. So it's interesting to be talking about Hero and Duncan, both in their first year, both having made huge contributions to getting Miami to the finals when, like, who was on Miami's radar at the beginning of the season? Like, I knew they were going to be better. I knew they were going to be measurably better. I never would have guessed they would have gone to the finals the first year with Jimmy. Especially coming in at fifth seed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think I would take Duncan Robinson as well, but it's very, very close because I think he's developed a little bit more having been older, having had to go the undrafted route too. Guys that get into the league undrafted have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They have they have a little something to prove that I think drives them in a way that doesn't happen if you were if you did make it into the NBA through the draft. So I think just kind of overall, but it's a really close call. Like I would take either of them if only one or the other was available to take into the future of a team. They were trying to step up because of one key absence for the Miami Heat in Drogic. Shea, was Drogic's absence that important to them losing the finals? Because he was the top scorer for them. Wasn't even Jimmy. It was Drogic. Was him being injured a big key for them? I think the issue is when Drogic was out, they knew that they had to make up for it. And so they overcompensated. And in this situation, they needed to do that. So that's why we saw, you know, um, not just great performances from Butler, but other players and and kind of filling those gaps with, with Drogic out. I think the issue with this last game, on top of everything else, I mean, don't get me wrong, I it's something we've talked about before too, but it's, you know, these guys have been inside this bubble in Orlando. They've been away from their families. They've been, like, basketball only. I'm sure they're tired. I'm sure that hotel bed is so tiring at this point. Like, yeah, they're, like, rich. So it's not like they're, like, lacking and and getting first-class service. But it's still, it's still different. These guys have other mental factors in there, right? But I think with Drogic being out, with Bam not being at full capacity, they knew where those gaps were and they had to to deal with it i think with Drogic being not only listed as active but planning to come back in that last game on top of everything else of being tired and all of that i think it really really hit their psyche and so it makes me wonder if they had not put him in um till even maybe the second half if there would have even been a little bit more momentum do you agree with that jade I think Dragic was a key loss, but for a little bit of a different reason. He's one of those players that is annoying to play against. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a dirty player. I don't really like his style of play, but like if he's on your team, you miss him. He is the one that gets under the other team's skin. He's a pretty tenacious defender. 
And he's just that guy. He's always yipping. He's always saying something. And I think his ability to frustrate the other team is almost as big a factor. Like, we were able to see that they Miami had the depth to make up for the loss of points. But you can't really replace that guy on a team that is just naturally annoying to the, to the opposite team. And anytime you're able to mess up a team's ability to get locked in, to be focused, to be cool, calm, and collected, especially in a finals, it's kind of an important aspect if it's available. And I think not having that available, along with the points, but like, like I said, they made up the points in the games he wasn't in, except for that last one. And, and then he was back, right? So I think, it, I think it was a different thing. And had he been available through the whole series, being that pain in the butt every game, every possession, I don't think the Lakers are quite as poised as they were. Jade, what surprised you about the Miami Heat, good or bad? I'm pleasant surprised that they made it at all. If it wasn't going to be the Raptors out of the East, Miami was my next choice. I'm glad it was Miami and not. The Lakers are a big deal, right? They've been a big deal all season. It's pretty much all anybody can talk about. And they took that in stride. It didn't affect the way they played their game. It didn't make them panic when they had to play from behind. They're a really poised team for being so young. And that's not something, you know, you either you have it or you don't, or you gain it with experience or you don't. And they had it in their first finals experience. Except for last night's game where things kind of came off the rails. So I'm surprised at the level of poise such a young team was able to show for as long as they did through that whole playoff run you expect rookies to get shook a bit and even even not even rookies even just players doing their first playoff run like bam's not a rookie but he's never been this deep into the playoffs in his career before right and and he's not the only one whose name on from the miami roster fits on that list so yeah i would have to say just their ability to stay cool and understand what needs to be done, not get shook away from playing their style of basketball, no matter what was happening. That's going to be an important component. The fact that they have it already makes them really scary moving forward. Is that a Spolstra thing, Jade? I think it's a combination of everybody. Miami and Toronto are kind of mirror images of each other as organizations right now. So I think it also has to do with the way that they scout and the way that they recruit. They are not just recruiting for talent. They are also recruiting for, are you going to fit our culture? Are you going to fit what we do and how we do? I mean, we're talking about a team that sent dudes home from training camp this season because they didn't show up in shape. Right. So you have to be recruiting the right kind of players to fit into that structure who are not going to so soft that that kind of thing ruins their confidence. It, it takes a certain personality to be motivated by a stronger culture that has stronger expectations. So I think it's a combination of, yes, it's top to bottom. When you have that strong of a tone throughout an organization, it's everybody. It's the front office, it's the coaching, and it's the players. Shay, what surprised you most about the Heat? Is it good or bad? I would say it was just their endurance overall. I mean, it's they're 
their team, as I've mentioned before, is just very team oriented, which was so like awkwardly different from the Lakers. And that's the kind of basketball I like watching. I know they are the underdogs and I know they weren't favored to win. So it, it is kind of sad to see that fulfilled. But I have so much hope for them just because they do have all the elements of a, a great team. And I do like seeing a bunch of like talented guys that can work together. So even like I said, watching that game last night was hard because they were still like dedicated. It's not like, like I, I saw a tweet that was like, can we just give the trophy at halftime? And in some ways that was like, I felt that, but at the same time, like the heat, like, got through that game that is not an easy game to play and they you know they ended up breaking it down to 20 which I really feel for them but they they still did that like they still kept working like freaking announcers good god like after halftime they had already just like been like okay well you know the Lakers won and I'm like we still have two more quarters the Miami Heat never showed that that mentality even like came across their heads and that to me is so impressive the commentary i hate that you only get national commentators for the finals i don't know if you all noticed this but espn's scoreboard on the screen at the bottom miami's logo could have blended right into the rest of the scoreboard really in colors it was like black and gold kind of so first of all, you're going to do black and gold for your entire motif. That's not Laker-centric at all. Right. But then the only splash of color was Lakers purple. The Miami's background of their lettering, I took a picture of it because I'm, I'm probably going to write a little bit about it. But it's like the entire thing, even like you could have done red by behind Miami. Right. Right. Why pick black? Or it's like dark charcoal gray, but it was basically the same color as everything else, except for where it said LAL for Lakers. Fine, the Lakers were going to win regardless of the commentary, but can we have an even commentary? Like, is that Yes. Good God, I know. I just can't stand Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy together. Just one of them is like pretty cringeworthy, but then they put them together and that's the only people we get to listen to for the whole finals. Right. Poor Mike Breen. I, <laughs> I know. It's like, oh my God, please be quiet. Miami and Jimmy have shown that they can make it to the finals, so that's going to make it even more of a hot spot for them. And so there's a big free agent list that's coming through. So um, I'll name them off in just a second. But they also got a lot of cap space, so take in consideration for it. So some some of the big names. So AD, but that's a player option. Ingram, uh, restricted free agent. DeMar is a uh, player option. Freddie Jade is an unrestricted free agent, so watch out there. Montrez Harold is um, a unrestricted free agent. Hayward is a player option. Bogdan Bogdanovich from Kings, who is up-and-coming star. He's restricted. Drogix is uh, unrestricted. Bertans um, from David Bertans from uh, the Washington Wizards. There we go. He's unrestricted. And then Danilo Gallinari is an unrestricted, too. There's a couple players in that list right there that could really fit that Miami squad. So, Shay, who could you see actually landing there? Okay, when you said Gallinari, he's not staying with... OKC like I 
I'm like 90% sure for multiple reasons. His like super hot girlfriend who's like a model is pregnant. I don't think she's going to want to live in Oklahoma City. I mean, again, I've been to Oklahoma City. I have like the places that I like to go. There's some good coffee shops. There's a pizza place that puts figs on pizza and it's called the Figgy Stardust. And I know it sounds weird, but it is the best thing ever. But in no way is an Italian model like, yeah, let me move to Oklahoma City. Miami fits. So that aside, he also is a pretty consistent scorer. He's a low-key guy. Like, he doesn't give a bunch of fuss. Like, you know, he's just chill, calm, cool, and collected. I actually think he looks just like like he should be a senior in high school. Like, he just has that baby face. And he just kind of goes with that. Like, he's, like, just kind of that jock that just goes with the flow. That, to me, would fit the rest of the team at Miami. I mean, come on. Like, the other guys, like, think of, like, I mean, Hero, we, we've talked about his attitude. He, he is what he is. But he still kind of goes with the flow and, and Robinson. And I, I have a feeling that even those kind of, like, rookie guys would help him with his three-point shooting. And, and I could see him and Jimmy getting along. Like, I don't know. The more I talk about it, the more I like Gallinari going. Jade, who do you see or... Um, Do you see maybe even a a couple that might sign up? Yeah, I think Miami is a pretty attractive destination for anyone this offseason. I mean, aside from the fact that you would get to live in Miami, and that's already a draw. But, like, we're not the only ones who know Miami's right there. And it's got to be appealing for a guy to be like, maybe I can be that piece that gets into the finals. Maybe I can be that that last step that they need to take um and i think i I think any of these guys it would be attractive Brett doesn't want to go anywhere he's not going to start and so i wonder if that might be something that makes miami not the best fit for him Mm. because who are they going to take out of the starting lineup to let fred start when it's worked as well as it has Fred does not want to come off the bench. Wherever he signs, that's going to be a condition. He's been very vocal, very clear about that. I like kind of like the idea of Montrez Harrell because I think they need one more guy that can really handle a physical game. I think the right person is coming off the bench, and I think Harrell, one, would be okay with that, and two, provides a depth to the bench that I don't think they have right now. That little bit of toughness, I think him and Jimmy will get along well. And I think they do need one more kind of secondary veteran voice. And if Jimmy and him can get on the same page regarding it's Jimmy's team, but like you be my number two and they have respect for each other and each other's games, I think that could be a piece that that would fit with Miami really well. I mean, Montrez Harrell does have that bulldog mentality. Could see that really working out well. Okay, so I think we got a good solid discussion in on the finals. Uh, now we're going to swing into a new segment, NBA Current Events. So first thing is Alvin Gentry got signed by the Kings as an associate coach. Is that what we got, Jade? That what we came to conclusion? The title I saw was associate head coach from NBA.com. I can't remember ever hearing that specific title before. So it's like, he's not a head coach, but head coach is in the title, but he's not an assistant coach because assistant is not in the title. So like, 
I find it super confusing. I don't really understand. Like, it feels like a made-up position for a guy who wanted to work for that team, but they didn't want him as the head coach, but he feels like he should be a head coach still. Just in case Walton gets fired. I guess. No, no, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I I thought he would be going for, like, a clearly cut head coaching position. So I'm a little bit I'm, – I'm super curious to see how that works out. Shay, when you heard and when we discussed about him being associate head coach, what was the first thing – for the Kings, too, I'm going to add, too. What was one of the first thoughts that went through your head? I mean, I know Jay just said it, but I'm I'm going to say it too, is, wait, you're not going to be a head coach? Like, I just didn't understand because, like, we all have talked about how we don't think he really should have been fired from the Pelicans. So it's not like he wasn't qualified. It's not like, I mean, he, like, deserves a good job. And I don't know if this is a good job. <laughs> like, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't know. Like, the Kings aren't great. I don't know if maybe there's things going on behind the scenes that we, as the public, don't know about. But, like, uh, I wouldn't want to do that. Buddy Heald's not happy with Luke Walton. He hasn't been answering calls. So there could be some sadness in Sacramento. Ooh. (laughs) Another thing, Joel Embiid losing his dog, Shay, on Instagram. He posted a heartfelt message about it. What did you have to think about that? We rip on Embiid a lot. Like, we really, really do. And deservedly, is that a word? He deserves it? Like, I'll say it that way. So He deserves it. I mean, especially in the last couple of seasons, he's not fun to watch. He's just kind of a brat. But this, to me, showed that he is still a human, and that was cute. Sometimes I forget that, like, you know, the NBA players, like, especially, like, he just got home from the bubble and stuff, and he was just spending, like less time with his dog and then his dog died so that that sucks I mean you know he goes through that too I I had to put my dog down like my childhood dog like a while ago that sucked but you know it happens (laughs) yeah uh Jade what was your take because we always know you have something special for Embiid (laughs) well so for me I very much compartmentalize ball playing from person because (laughs) One is a job. They get paid a lot of money to play basketball. And I think of that in a more pragmatic way. And I think of people emotionally in a very different way. So like, sure, it's sad that your dog died. I am the kind of person like I love my pets, but I probably won't die. I probably won't cry when they're gone because I get that. Just, you know, Jamaican, my Jamaican dad was the same. Like, he liked his pets, and you cared for your pets, but, but they were pets at the end of the day. And it's just, just not quite that emotional for us. So that's how I was raised. So I tend to zero in on the basketball stuff. And I just found it really telling that he said that he envied his dog's energy and, and wished that he had had that energy for basketball. Because that's always what I've seen in in B. He's a talented basketball player with no drive. He doesn't love the game. He's not passionate about the game. People that are passionate about basketball never would have have a hard time finding energy. You know, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, the greats. Basketball is what drove them. It is what gave them energy. 
And so when he's always going around being like, oh, I'm the greatest this, and I'm so awesome, and I'm so talented, it's like, you are missing a vital component to be a great basketball player. And it's always what I thought, and now he's confirmed it for me with his own words. So... Mic drop. See, that's why I wanted to to be like, we're like, you know, like the devil and the angel on the shoulders. That's how I feel like our, our... both of our answers were as I was yeah, a little I was angel. Say, that was definitely <laughs> after a lot of agreeing today. That one was really upside the other one. I feel bad for him. Big dog died. That just shows he needs to pay attention. The funniest thing, though, I think that we found for NBA current events this week is Lawrence Frank of the recently imploded LA Clippers won Executive of the Year. Bad timing on that one there, Jade? I do not get that. And so I saw somebody online with the argument that they make that decision before the playoffs started. Fine. But the Clippers had locker room problems all season. So, like, I don't care that it was only decided in the playoffs. They underperformed, I think, by everybody's standards. Standards. But again, that is the media hype that I don't buy into anyways. But when you're going to make that decision about executive of the year, like the only thing I can see why he might get it is because it does take a bit to sign a Kawhi Leonard and trade for a Paul George all at the same time. Like that's a lot of balls to juggle. It's a lot of uh, calls to make. It's a, it, I can't imagine that that was, easy. but like, Executive of the year, though, I just, even trying to take out what happened in the playoffs, it just doesn't feel right. Like, it just feels like, really, that really, like, I know it was 2020, and it was COVID, and it was Kobe, and it was, you know, Black Lives Matter, and it was a weird year. It's been a weird year. But, like, really, really, though, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Poor timing. Shay, what's your... Uh, what's your take with Lawrence Frank winning coach or executive of the year? I mean, I'm like, I, ugh, no. Um, the Clippers were just sad. And yeah, I I agree with Jaden, the fact that it probably was because of that trade. I mean, but also how hard was it when both of, you know, Paul George and Kawhi eventually wanted to end up there or like in L.A.? Um, so that, that's the only question I have to ask in that, but like, it is like, it's just ridiculous. There were so many other teams that just it, overall did better. Of course I'm biased, but OKC with their stuff and the amount of, uh, picks we have currently, I mean, and then on top of that, we still were like, we still made the playoffs. So everyone thought that us trading away everyone and like whatever was was gonna dunk us well I did not mean to make a basketball pun um but we still made the playoffs and as of right now we are still not technically rebuilding so uh I'm just saying that that's a thing retooling that's what you're doing retooling not rebuilding when you're a team that's still a playoff team, but you're kind of shifting some pieces, it's retooling, not rebuilding. Yeah, well, and until someone gets traded away, which I'm sure is going to happen, you know, soon, we're not, we're not, like, rebuilding yet. So, I, I don't know. I just, like, I was hoping to see some some good come out of that, but, you know, we can't always get what we want. 
True, true. Before we go into our fast break, today it is sponsored by PropMe. PropMe is a social wagering platform catered to the everyday sports fan. It has peer-to-peer betting marketplace for social wagering. It's an all-sports betting platform, including eSports, a company that leads in social wagering innovation. Join PropMe and the Google Play Store or Apple App Store today. Sign up and join the movement. Okay, fast break time. The time of the show where I come up with my own questions that Jade and Shay do not know about and they have candid thoughts for. So, first question. You're building a team. Who are you taking, Pat Riley or Polenka? Pat Riley. Yeah. Pat Riley. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, who would you take? Pat Riley. I'm just. I asked it because Polinka just put together a championship squad in two years. Okay. Riley's got the pedigree. That's Pat Riley's the mob boss of the NBA. He is, and he looks like it too, and I love it. Okay, so that was a little bit of a toss-up one. This one is start, bench, cut, and this is purely on shooting. Not what they do with the rest of the ball, what they do, just straight shooting duos. Hero Robinson, Damon CJ, and then I'm going to do a wild card duo of J.J. Redick and Kyle Korver. So, Shay, start, cut, bench, purely shooting. I'm I'm cutting Korver and J.J., and I'm benching the, the two Heat kids. So, so, so what you're telling us right now is Damon <laughs> CJ starting... Hero and Robinson off the bench, and JJ and Corver are waived. Okay, they're cut. Got yeah, it. Cut. Jade, let's see how you can get through this question. Right. <laughs> I have the advantage of having got to listen to it first. I am cutting CJ and Dame. I am benching JJ and Corver, and I'm starting Hero and Robinson. What? Okay, okay, okay. Right? Like I said, this was purely on shooting. So, like, can't argue when a shot drops, a shot drops from three points. So, who on the Lakers, Jay, doesn't deserve the ring? (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Players in mind, I'm sure some Lakers fans are like, screw that. Um, Okay, I have to take a quick look at the roster. I'm just pulling it up right now. Should we only pick one? You, if you have multiple, you can. Just who on the Lakers doesn't deserve it? You could be almost half the team if you wanted. Okay. I'm going to say Jared Dudley and Quinn Cook. Jared Dudley, especially. <laughs> that Those would be the two that, like, really kind of jump out at me on, like, by the end of next year, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, those guys got a ring with the Lakers. Right, they were there. Jared Dudley was still, I totally forgot he was still playing until I saw him on the court hopping up and down. I was like, you have no right to be here right now. <laughs> so then, Shay, what about you? Kuzma, because I'm very disappointed. There's a petition in L.A. going around right now saying that Kuzma doesn't deserve the ring. Did you see that video of him? I only saw the reaction. I have no idea what the question was, but someone was like asking him a question and he was like, I don't know. I'm a little drunk right now. I've had a lot oh, of shit. Oh yeah. No, I sent you guys that. I'm not going to lie. That's I what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I got a good chuckle out of that. Not going to lie. I mean, I tweeted right after the game and said, really think about the fact that this guy is an NBA champion and tell me you're not a little bit bummed out. And then I had to picture 
on Kyle Koo because, man, that was a terrible idea. But, like, I don't know. I don't know if maybe I'm just getting old or I've just watched basketball for so many years that the kids, some of them just seem like, like Kyle Kuzma and Caruso both strike me as those guys that if they were not talented athletes, would be have no friends. You know what I mean? Caruso's just got like, that face. They're the hangers-on guy that get to be in the cool group just because they're good at sports, not because they're... <laughs> there right always right was right. one of those guys, too, like, in high school. Like, you're like, oh. Uh, one Tree Hill, and there was a character on One Tree Hill called Nate, and he was on the basketball team, but he was really awkward and inappropriate, and nobody really, really liked him, but he could play ball, so he, he was in the... <laughs> That's that's what I think of when I, I think of Kuzma and Caruso. And now they're champions. They're NBA champions. And I'm like, uh, I, I, I must be getting old or something. The moment Caruso leaves L.A., everyone will forget about him. Everyone's going to forget. Everyone will forget about him. Um, okay, since the Pat Riley and Palenka question was a little bit of a toss-up, new question I have that I just came up with when we were talking about uh, – uh, Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy. If you, out of current NBA sportscasters that you've seen, like on national broadcasting stuff, who would be the two you would have, Jade? Ooh. If you want to take a second to think about it, that's chill. There has to be people that are already broadcasting, or people that I wish would already. Okay. Um, I love Chris Weber as an analyst. He is just the coolest dude. You know he knows his ball, but he has flavor in what he says, and his voice is so easy to listen to, and he always looks, he's always dressed up so well. So, so he's always got a smile. He's, yeah, he's just, like, such a likable guy. And then my toss-up for the other, the other spot is either Reggie or, what's his first name? He played for the, he, he won his championship with the Cavs. Bald. Richard like, Jefferson. Okay, I like him. So those, C. Webb is a shoe in, and I'll take either Richard Jefferson or uh, Reggie Miller. Shay, how about you? So Chris Webber for me as well. And I've seen a lot of Chris Webber hate on Twitter, and I don't quite understand it. Because, yeah, like, okay, when you're watching basketball, every now and then you do get annoyed with your favorites, but they're still your favorites. It's like getting annoyed with, like, your friend. Like, they're still your friend. Anyway, I just had to get that out of the way. Um... And then my second one would be Doris Burke because, like, I just think that would be a really nice connection. I want to do an honorable mention for Hubie Brown because he's a guy that never has anything bad to say about any single player. Like, he could, Jared Dudley could show up on the court. He'd be like, okay, Jared Dudley, well, we all know that he can shoot the ball, but if you didn't know this, he can actually do. And it's like, how do you know this, Hubie? Like, he can go back down to the end of the bench and do that with everyone. Got some fun questions in through the fast break. Broke down what happened in the finals. And just like the NBA regular season and playoffs, we are done for today. Adios!